Welcome back to another exciting episode of Dial M for Magic. When last we left the gang, they had fled to the roof in order to escape, but turns out they were not alone. Let's get ready to rooftop rumble! They fought against the Kingfisher, narrowly escaping with their lives. They made their way back to Beelzebuts and met up with Treble, and heard the troubling news about Ernest, and realized they need to get to the Maritime Porn Emporium as quickly as possible. What oddities and curiosities await them at the Maritime Porn Emporium? Tune in to find out. Okay, it's about about dawn time, so 6, 6.30, somewhere in there. Uh, sun's beginning to peek over the horizon and cast some shadows into the area just outside of Beelzebuts. You have just received your prognosis from the, from the strip club doctor. Top of his class at Bastillon University. <laughs> and uh, he has told you that it looks like Ernest is his condition is worsening and he showed you the wound which is started to uh started to grow or to become kind of gray and black like rotting flesh a little bit the morgul um, gun uh, the morgul <laughs> gun yeah i think that's about as much as we can say regarding morgul for legal reasons um <laughs> any sure. Any appearance of a ranger is purely coincidental and is not this meant to reflect the real This game was literally invented to be a Lord of the Rings game, and then Gygax had to change yeah, the Yeah, and then the, the Lord of the Rings people got litigious and said, you can't have hobbits, they have to be halflings. Exactly. So they've already proven that they can be litigious, so let's not make them angry at us. <laughs> no, we should keep poking this bear. This seems like a good strategy. I think it's good. Especially with the new Amazon Lord of the Rings series thing coming out. I, I think now is the time to really poke the bear. R right. Well, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> speaking out of a, a relatively deep-held desire to not be involved in litigation, which actually, now that I think about it, I might run into that later later on with one of these character names. Oops. <laughs> but, but, but that's not important. We'll get to that Parody when we get to it. Parody is different than full-on stealing. Uh, His name is Randolph. <laughs> it's Randolph. Randolph the Red. Randolph the Egg White. The Off-White. The Eggshell, yeah. <laughs> We're getting into some Perfect. Lord of the Beans VeggieTales territory right well, now. Well, that... We we can't do that. No, I, I can't. I can't allow that. So, what are you guys doing? Um, I guess you're still in Beelzebuts, but right now it's kind of a dead period. There's like one person on the stage and like maybe one patron who looks to be passed out. As it turns out, six a.m. is kind of that cutoff time for uh for action in in this uh establishment but usually it's like you got it's the end of the night everybody's been finally kicked out and they the the ones that have been sleeping haven't got up to get their morning beer yet so it's like that in between time true i would like to fast travel to the maritime <laughs> porn emporium and skip over the stealth checks that i'm gonna have to do to get there <laughs> you mean that, that you're gonna have that will probably fail because yeah <laughs> It's daytime. Can we be stealthy during yeah, the day? Yeah, it's called sticking to the, the side streets, blending in with the crowd. Red has pants now, so that's going to make all the difference. Henry, I did have a question. So being like this this t this time period in this theme, this vibe, is it weird having somebody walk around with a sword in their belt? Is that something that would be common, or is that a fairly uncommon thing? I mean, firearms are kind of just coming into being, so it wouldn't be uncommon. It would be it would be more along the lines of like something decorative. Like there aren't a unless you're in like the police force or 
Idaho or the military. <laughs> I, the Idaho of fantasy lands. <laughs> We're in fantasy Idaho. Perfect. Oh no, that's my nightmare. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Oh. Somebody listens from Idaho and I'm sorry. I, look, okay, okay, listener, singular, listener from Idaho, it's nothing personal, but you have Post Falls there. <laughs> and Henry post hates falls. Post Falls. We're gonna have a listener from Post Falls. Well, I hope they move. <laughs> hey, they'll be happier, and subsequently I'll be happier. And if this loses me Idaho in in an election at some point, then I guess I know what what to point to. We don't know yet. I don't know yet. (laughs) Something. But he's definitely lost Idaho. I've definitely lost Idaho. Oh, I was never going to win Idaho. Who am I kidding? Um, I'm sorry to Idahoans. We are all from Washington and Oregon, and you are the conservative brother next to us that we don't get along with very well. I mean, I'm from Montana. I'm I'm in that nice conservative sandwich. I just live in. I was gonna say, isn't Fantasy Idaho just Montana? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah. Anyway, Beelzebuts, we're leaving it. Yeah, what I was gonna say is, there's gonna be like crowds on the street, so you could do what I think I think Assassin's Creed calls it a social stealth, where you're just kind of concealed in the crowd. Just walking down the street. Ah, uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Good joke. Will uh-huh. be holding a mostly dead guy. Doesn't Herman have a really big bag? We could just kind of. Well, actually, couldn't we just wrap Ernest up like a baby and make him look yeah, like a baby? Yeah, that's what we did before. Wrap Ernest up like a baby Goliath and have Herman carry him. You could do that. You could get a cab. You could steal a car. No. I mean, I already killed some guys. Maybe I, I shouldn't kill I wouldn't steal, steal a, car. a car. That's true. Kitty's officially a murderer. Congratulations on your first murder, Kitty. Welcome to the club. Thanks. I'm <laughs> feeling really good about it. Nobody knows this, but Treble's murdered somebody, too. I think we all could have guessed that. <laughs> we got that vibe just looking at Treble. <laughs> I think Red sort of just, like, the only assumed. thing you've murdered is the life of the party. <laughs> oh! No, I'm so sorry. Oh, sick burn! I just picture trouble going into oh. a party that's just absolutely insane, and he just comes in and like, hey, who wants to hear my poetry? And then the fucking mic just <laughs> breaks. <laughs> that's the scratch on the record, and everyone stops and looks at him. He does like a pratfall into the DJ booth, destroys all the equipment. <laughs> so how... I don't want to say how would you like to do this are we, because are we in walking that would distance? be bad. But how do you want yeah, to how, do this? How are far, we, how far are we from the docks? From where you are right now, you will need to head six blocks to the north through the affluent market district of the city and along the main street, if you wish. Are we currently injured? I've been hit. I got shot in the hand. Yeah, you did. Let's take a cab, and maybe our DM will let us short rest in the cab. I said, didn't we long rest when we got back? No, no. we didn't have time, no, we because have not people rested. broke into the apartments, and then we freaked out, and then we ran. We have not rested. This has been a very, very long day. <laughs> this is one day. Yeah, this is Ernest. Very long, bad, horrible, no good, very bad day. Yeah, let's get in a cab, rush him over there. Uh, there probably won't be time for a short rest, but, you know. Well, Red, you're the only one that hasn't done a murder or is a known criminal, so would you you like to to call a cab, please? Yeah, yeah, I I can do that. Uh, I don't, uh, how much does a cab cost? I've got money. You just need to go out and stick your hand out there and get someone to stop. Uh, All right, got it. Uh, Red has never called a cab before, uh, but he dutifully goes out to the sidewalk and starts waving. Yes. Wildly. (laughs) Just sort of waving his arm back and forth. But you're, okay. (laughs) Is there, is there cabs only on the main road or are there on the side roads too? I mean, I'm on the sidewalk of the street where cars are. I go to where the cars are and then I wave. (laughs) 
I go to where yeah. the cars are. You're not just waving at somebody no. on the sidewalk like, hey. Are you facing the correct direction? Are you waving I... at just cabs or are you waving at all the cars? Let me, well, I am waving at all the cars for sure. <laughs> um, but I think only the cabs would stop is my hope. Well, go ahead and roll a d10. Okay, let me do that. You just roll one of those. The D, oh my god, which one is a 10? There we go. Uh, that's a 9. Okay, nice. so uh, the first vehicle that stops appears to be a truck that is hauling cabbages. My cabbages! <laughs> the farmer rolls down his window and looks at you and he's like, can I help you, son? You trying to get somewhere? He sounds like he's from Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for a taxi, but uh, if you're willing to take us, we've uh, we've just got to get to the docks. Oh, hell, hell, how many of you? <laughs> well, fuck, one second. <laughs> 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 how, how many? <laughs> you lost it. He's fully lost it, folks. <laughs> Him. <laughs> this impression is literally going to kill Leave Henry. all of this, this in. It's so good. <laughs> this podcast started as a noir-themed D&D podcast, and it has ended as Henry's descent into madness. Henry's death from being unable to breathe. How many of <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. You can do this, you can do this. One and two. (sighs) Well, uh, how many of you are you we trying to transport here? I I don't have much room in the cab. Oh, uh, we've just got, uh, let me see, one, one, two, uh, four, four of us and, and a baby. Four of you and a baby? Well, that's, uh... Yeah, I'm sorry, kiddo, but, uh, hey, tell you what. And he, like, kind of cranes his head out the window and looks around, and then he does, like, one of those things where he puts two two fingers in his mouth and, like, whistles really loud. And a lime green cab just comes skidding around the corner. Oh, oh thank you so much. It's a cabbage cab. Oh, happy to help, son. And, uh, dude... Rolls off into the distance. Hey, uh, did somebody call a cab? Yeah, let me get my friends. Uh, hey, hey, everybody, y'all. The only friends I have are the people who are trying to collect money from me. Uh, oh, over here. We will run over to the cab. Come on, guys. Come on, let's go. Well, good job, Red. Way to go. Oh, do you, uh, do you have baggage you're trying to, uh, put in the trunk? You've got a large, uh, bag or satchel there. Jack, we no, put we're that in the trunk? No, we're good. No? Step on no, it. let's, let's, we got let's a very keep the baby, baby in no, our I, arms. I, 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 I think he Why was talking about the guitar case and the other things that are in the case. Yeah, no, we'll keep the baby oh. with us. We'll put the guitar case get, in the bag in the back. Get in the car. I'm pretty big. You're not okay. going to enjoy being in a cab with me and all the luggage. All right. Treble takes the guitar case and he goes and puts it in the trunk. And he assumes that he's going to be in the middle because he's the smallest. So he just kind of like cramps himself into the middle. And then the bass is sitting on his lap. I just, just let's so, go. So uh, where you, where you folks headed? Where can I take yous? Have you heard of the Maritime Porn Emporium? Um, I mean, I don't know you guys super well, so I don't feel comfortable saying, but uh, what I will say is that I am familiar with the general area that the uh, aforementioned Emporium is located therein. Yes, could you just take us to the docks, please? Uh, We would really appreciate it. I don't know, could I? Of course I could. Let's go. What is this voice? It's like Barney or something. I was thinking Barney too. (laughs) It's almost not worth thinking about. What does this man look like that's driving this cabbage cab? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I'll tell you. 
you can't actually tell really without looking over the front seat because the inhabitant is quite short but as you're getting in the car you you get a glimpse of a rather rotund goblin who has tied like these wooden blocks to his shoes so that he can reach the pedals <laughs> and he's him. got like a booster seat Absolutely. that has been strapped to the chair I was going to say, is the favorite. driver actually short, or did they just look short because they cut a hole in the floor so they could run on the ground to, <laughs> to move their car? <laughs> Damn it, that would have been funnier. Uh. Uh, hey, uh, what's what's your name, sir? Mr. My name? Hey, my name's uh, Cobwell. Pleased to meet you, I'm sure. I'm very glad to meet you. You got a card? A card? Uh, a business card to to call on you in the future. Good Cabby, this is my first cab ride. Oh, it is. Well, uh, kid, uh, we don't really, we're not a, we're not like a, uh, a law firm or, uh, or a classy escort agency. We don't really pass around those cards, you know? <laughs> you just, you just wave, you just wave your hand in the air and we appear like, like a waiter at, I, I don't know where this is going. Uh, <laughs> the I, I'll, I'll just remember your name, Cobwell. Thank you to the person who gave us that name from their review. I'll just remember your name and I'll shout it whenever I need you. Red's going to go to the street and just yell, Cobwell! Cobwell! That's exactly what is going to happen, yes. Uh, so you're heading up to the, uh, merit. Oh, right, right, right. You're heading up to the MPE. Yeah, I used to, I used to work down that away. You used to work at the Maritime Porn? No, 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 no. Down, down that away, not... In that away, whatever. I no, no, no. Are you kidding? A goblin like me could never get into porn. Uh, we are driving, right? Like he's not giving this. this <laughs> you know, we're just sitting at the curb having this conversation. Please tell me. No, you're, you're, you're driving. There, you're, you're driving. Although, although <laughs> he is one of those cabbies where. He like gives you the over the shoulder talking like every few seconds. It's the twenties, so we're constantly in fear for our lives. Is what you're getting at? Oh, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Is he also taking the long route? No, no. He's going. He's, he's actually a good cabbie. He's, he's a good cabbie. He's not milking the meter. In fact, actually, you can't really see a meter anywhere in the cab. Just counting on his hand, pretending that's how you count how far you went. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was gonna say is he's got a little chalkboard that he's just making little tallies in. <laughs> yes. That's extremely good. But he is, he's kind of going right up Main Street, uh, weaving through traffic. It's still early, so it, there's kind of a rush hour, but it's not too bad. Sorry, I... This is not anything, but I was just thinking about the word dashboard and the word chalkboard and trying to make a joke about dashboard confessional but chalkboard confessional, and it's not happening. But if anyone has a punchline for that, let me know. We'll workshop it later. Okay. <laughs> I just picture this goblin driving like the uh, Ghost of Christmas Past from Scrooged. Yeah, perfect. Just smoking a cigar. <laughs> just totally reckless. Uh, I, I can heal Kitty's hand. Uh, I, I'm fine. I, we all need to rest soon. It's just that... It's just a graze. It's fine. It looks more like a blood red to me than a graze. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, are we there yet? Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, after about 15 minutes or so, because uh, this guy's efficient, you turn onto the street that is immediately adjacent to the docks. And after about another minute or so of driving, which he's driving a lot slower here. There's a lot of, like, movement on the street you there's like you can see to your left and your right crowds of sailors and other sorts of longshoremen kind of getting their stuff together for a day of fishing and then you see kind of tucked into the corner of the yard as you pull up a turquoise sign that says h jones esquire i think that's the one can you just drop us off in front right there well of course i could uh and, uh, he holds up his tiny little chalkboard. That'll be, uh, three gold, please. Thank you, sir. And she will give him three gold from her bag that she packed at the house. Or at the apartment. 
Oh, you're most, you're most kind, madam. Thank you, thank you. I hope that the Fortunia's wheel blows your way. I don't know what that means. Ma- Neither do Merry I. Merry Christmas anyway. to you. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to you as well. <laughs> hey, Kitty, thanks for paying for the cab. I'll pay it back later. Do you have Venmo? Dear God. <laughs> you can Apple pay me later. It's fine. Perfect. <laughs> that means pay you with an Apple. Yes. <laughs> I'm just picturing the back of the cab because I'm picturing that Kitty took the front seat. I had assumed that Herman. Oh, I assumed that all four of us squished in the back seat, shoulder to shoulder, <laughs> with Ernest being held very close to Herman's chest. So when we open the doors, we all just kind of spill out. <laughs> well, I'm going to open the breach across red and be like, let's go, come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. We don't have time. Yeah, get me inside this emporium. <laughs> Paint a picture with your words, Henry. Give me some porn. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. You step into the Maritime Porn Emporium. To your left is a small desk behind which is a incredibly muscular Goliath woman is dressed very nicely in a uh, like a smoke gray suit uh, with a trilby on. And behind her is there a poster that says I'm going to take that one again? Oh, get out. Get out. <laughs> oh, damn it. That's not even that's a good joke too. So to your left and your right are two small desks behind which uh, is the Goliath that I've already described in the smoke gray suit. And to the right is a halfling similarly garbed in a smoke gray suit, also wearing a trilby. You notice that uh, embroidered on the sleeve of each of these folks, there is a large bird, which you would recognize as a condor in red thread. The Goliath looks over to you and says, Uh, please state your business here. Are you expected by Mr. Hush Puppy Jones? Yeah, yeah, our business is doctor. Oh, your business is with the doctor. I see, I see. And, uh, who shall I say is calling? Um, I spoke with him on the phone. My name is Treble. Um, he should, he knows that we are coming. Very well, very well. Uh, Della, will you go and fetch the doctor? And nods to the uh, halfling. And the halfling goes and opens a door into a back room. uh, And disappears from sight for the moment. Uh, The Goliath stands up. And you can see when she stands that she has a massive Morningstar club. Hanging from a loop uh, at her belt. That's kind of concealed by the suit a little bit. And you can just tell that she she works out. Um, she's just got just rolling muscles everywhere, and kind of just giving each of you the the up and down. I nudge Herman, and I'm like, "Hey, you should go get her number." Oh gosh, I don't know. She's she's out of my league. I mean, did you see those biceps? Oh my god. Are you saying this in, like, earshot of, of her? I'm trying to whisper, but too loud. <laughs> Absolutely. I did not lower the tone of my voice at all. The Goliath smiles sweetly and says, I'm flattered, but, eh, that's not my speed. <laughs> um, if it's the baby that's throwing off, this is my baby. I just found this baby. <laughs> I can get rid of this baby at any time. This is a dying man, excuse me. Are you the doctor? A dying man, you say? Yeah, it looks like a baby, but it's, it's a dying man. I have a number of questions about everything in that sentence. <laughs> um, oh, and here comes Della now. Della comes up to you guys and beckons you and says, uh, please follow me into the back. We follow. We, follow, we do follow. this. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we all we follow. go to there. You go to I there. I would like Great. to go to there. What order are you guys in? Oh no, that's a daunting question. Yeah, right. It's uh, like, wait a minute, we need a marching order to go back in the back yeah, back room. You 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 don't need one. <laughs> I just need to know who's going in last. I mean, Treble probably goes in first because he talked to Hush Puppy Jones, and then okay. Herman's probably second because he's carrying Ernest. And Red is pushing Herman through. Yep. So, so I'm I last. guess Kitty's last. Okay, so you notice the the rest of the group has already gone through this doorway, so you're the last to see this. 
Uh, you notice that the Goliath locks the door and begins to follow you guys. Oh, I don't like that. Locks the door behind us? Well, no, like locks the main door to the business. Okay. I was terrified. Yeah, I was like, she's locking behind, locking the door behind us and then following us with her big morning star. Fuck. We're fucked. We're gonna- <laughs> We can't take great. another it enemy was a great right now. Seven episodes. Uh, I'll see y'all later. No, she she locks the main door and then follows you guys through that door. That seems, that feels better. You are actually in a hall full of famous, I don't want to say famous erotic posters, but I will say famous erotic posters of various productions that this company has been a part of. I'm so excited. You see a poster depicting a a ship's captain who is missing clothing in various places with the the caption the captain goes down on the ship uh, across yes. from it and, and down the way there is a perhaps a more surrealist take on the porn genre which simply depicts two boats and the caption is two ships screwing in the night further on uh, there is a poster, and this one is a little bit different because it's actually backlit with some like little lights on the edges. Uh, but it's an advertisement for a sex TV show or a porn TV show entitled "Sex and the Seaweed." Oh, bravo, sir! That's great. That's great. And there, there are a number of things, and it. They all roughly have a, ma a maritime theme. Uh, one of them also says, Anchor, I hardly know her. It's, it's bad. It's all bad quality. <laughs> I love it. I live for Henry's poster titles. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there, there will be more. Oh, don't, okay. oh, so don't, you stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> don't you worry. Don't you worry. Eventually, uh, you make your way into a brightly lit office. And from left to right, this is what you see. There is a kind of a chase lounge, a very nice, like, ornate chase lounge with, like, this crushed green velvet texture uh, and, like, a, tr a wooden table, which is full of different bottles of what look to be alcohol of different types. You see that the left-hand wall is a giant mirror, so the oh, mirrored wall. In front of you, there is a large oaken desk, behind which is a very rotund, purple-clad dwarf who is smoking uh, quite a large cigar and reading a newspaper. He's also wearing a... Uh, they're not tortoiseshell. I forget what the fuck they're called. They're, but essentially, they're a very thick pair of glasses, like almost like Coke bottle glasses. And as you enter the room, he kind of peers up at you. Uh, to the right of that, you see uh, what looks to be a doctor of some sort. But kind of like a 1940s doctor. Like, he's dressed in a suit, like a doctor who makes house calls. And he's got a leather-bound bag. And he's waiting by what looks to be an operating table, uh, which is well-illuminated. And he kind of beckons over to you. Can I make some kind of check? To see if this is a real doctor's office or if this is a porn set for doctor-related porn. <laughs> oh. You know, sure, why not? Um, what would that even be? Investigation? Sure. Fuck it, roll investigation. Well, I've got a minus one on that. It's a ten minus one, a nine. As near as you can tell, it is a normal doctor's-looking office. All right. Are you Hush Puppy Jones? Hey, who wants to know? Of course I'm Hush Puppy Jones. You think anybody else could wear an outfit like this? I lean in to everybody else. I'm just like, this is not the same person I talked to on phone. Yeah, I expected his voice to be high. With a name like Hush Puppy Jones, I did not expect his voice to sound like this at all. Um, so we have our friend here and... You, I, I think I talked to you or to maybe to him. Somebody on the phone and said he's very sick and I need to have help. Can can you help us? That's what the doctor's doing right now, kid. But you talk to me on the phone. I use a voice modulator. Because you think anybody, 
You think people can actually stand to hear this voice on the phone <laughs> when they can't run away? Come on! <laughs> you must be new on the black. Uh, I, okay, no, not really, but, um... Oh, you're new on my block, kid. Come over here and have a drink. Yes, I know it's seven in the morning, but it, I can't get through even an hour of my day without, without some stuff. Do we trust this man to do, like, surgery? I don't think he's the surgeon. I think there's somebody else that's the surgeon, I hope. Well, there's two different people. The dwarf is the one behind the desk. The doctor is the one by the operating table. And the doctor's the one who who beckoned to you and said, you know, bring the guy over here. You're you're talking to the dwarf behind the desk. Who is, is, and I can't stress this enough, is not the operating physician. (laughs) Is not the doctor. Not a doctor. Okay, Trouble, you enjoy having your 7 a.m. drink. I'm going to go take Ernest over to the doctor over there. Uh, I'll, I'll square it up and make sure everything is good. And I go over and I sit down at one of the chairs in front of his desk and grab a cup. Where is Kitty going? Kitty is just standing very close to the door to leave with her bag held very close to her chest. Red stands next to Kitty. Just thinking about the bottle of marshmallow whiskey in her bag that she still has. Being like, <laughs> you know, I could just drink this and go to sleep and maybe I'll wake up and none of this is real. None, none, none of this happened. It's fine. Uh, so a couple of things to, to note. By the door, actually, to your left and your right, as soon as you enter, there's a number of chairs. Just like a, like a waiting room. So if you wanted to sit instead of stand, you could do that. Uh, second thing to note that both uh, Della and this Goliath have assumed sort of flanking positions by the door, kind of like their their security of some sort, as as was mentioned. Do they look like they're keeping us from leaving or keeping other people from going in? Like, where are their eyes? Their eyes are occasionally looking back at the door, so you don't get the impression that they're keeping you in. It's more that they're protecting either Mr. Jones or you guys. So we have drink. Your surgeon does surgery, I assume. Um, while he does that, is there any place that we could maybe rest for a while? Well, looky here, kid. Uh, Barry's going to take a look at your man, and uh, if he's able to fix him up real good, he's going to... But uh, as far as a place to rest, I mean, takes a big drag of the cigarette. I mean, this is a porn emporium, kid. We got beds everywhere. It just depends on what you feel like sleeping on, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I will let my group know that they are welcome to sleep. Um, I'll be right back. Oh, uh, I... uh, oh, before you do that, did you take a drink of what he offered you? Uh, I did. Actually, yeah. So I would actually, like, I would do it as I'm about to walk away. So I'd be like, I'll, I'll be right back, and I'd take a swig of it. Okay. Um, so you had a drink. It's not alcoholic, for one thing. Go ahead and roll nature. <laughs> I got a crit one. <laughs> oh. Yes. Like the sad voice that came from Henry just now. Oh, oh what a just... terrible time. Okay. The drink that you had is somewhat earthy, but somewhat sweet. But it's definitely not alcoholic. You're just... You just don't know. You just... It might be juice. That's all. Go do go do what you were going to do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're all so I looked at him. Scared. I was expecting some sort of like whiskey or something like that, but uh, didn't know that was juice. And I turn around and I walk back over to the group, and I say, "Okay, sort of good news situation here. Um, we have beds that we can sleep on. Bad news situation: they're porn beds." So... Trouble. We we're literally in the same room as you. We we heard everything. <laughs> we're, 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 oh, you you could hear our conversation uh, over there. We're two feet away from you. Y- yeah, the, oh. this is this is okay. this is an o- office. Um, I I don't know if you understand how sound travels through. Anyway, uh, 
we understand. Let's maybe just get Ernest looked at first, and then we'll figure out where to go from there. Yeah, what does it look like the doctor is doing with Ernest right now? So the doctor has laid out uh, Ernest on this table, and right now it looks like he's he's kind of taken off his shirt or like moved the shirt so that he can see the wound, and it looks like he's swabbing the wound with like a cotton swab and some liquid some liquid from a jar. How's it look, Doc? You gonna be able to fix our friend? Well, it's uh. It's too early to say, really. Um, I have to say, uh, you know, just gnome skin historically has not reacted well to, uh, well, to whatever the fuck this is. So it, it just kind of gives you a shrug. It's. I'll do my best. It's something from the Abbey. We believe, well, I believe that they targeted him and killed his wife and whatever he was hit with was something f- from them. You don't say. Okay. Um, actually, it's very good that you told me that because I can look at some other things. And he pulls a small blue-bound book from his doctor's bag. And he opens it, and as he's thumbing through it, he kind of says, as an aside to you, this is a collection of, uh, of data accumulated over the last 20 years on the known killing methods employed by the Abbey. Let's see if I can find something useful in here. That entire book? The entire book. Well, it's it's not all the way full. It's most of the way full. Yeah, as it turns out, they're quite prolific in, with their creativity for uh, ending life. If I weren't a doctor, I'd admire them. That's not something we want to hear a doctor say. <laughs> <laughs> I think Red just looks very pale in this room. Just paler and paler as time goes on. Treble's going to kind of walk over to by where Herman is and is going to just kind of sit there by on a chair close by and just kind of watch the doctor. Oh, Kitty has not sat down at all. She is standing, holding her bag close to her chest. Um, after waiting for about five minutes, uh, a little buzzer goes off on Hush Puppy's desk. And he looks at it and then reaches for his phone. And he turns away from you and he starts speaking in a slightly lower voice. So you can't quite make out what he's saying. But after about 30 seconds, he hangs up the phone. And then he looks at the door and says, Alrighty, Patricia, get over here. Hattie, uh, they harassing one of the girls. I'm gonna need you to go and knock some heads in, okay? And the uh, Goliath kind of smiles and uh, unnotches the morning star and exits through the door that you guys came through initially. Hush Puppy takes a drag from his cigar and says, Hattie's some fantastic security. Both Hattie and Della over there, They're, they form the backbone. I couldn't do what I do without them. What is it exactly that you do? What do I do? Are you telling me? Are you telling me you've never heard the name Hush Puppy Jones before? Kid, I produce the greatest maritime porn on the West Coast. Well, okay, I got to be honest, I've never really heard of you, but I'm sure you've never heard of me either, so, you know, such is life. Kid, you're right. I've never heard of you. You know what? Red is just gonna go into the little waiting room area and just be just looking at the posters with a sort of curious confusion. Okay. Um, so one of the posters is actually a poster advertising a security firm, like a private eye firm. And it's Condor Security Associates. And uh, below that, there's a little byline that said that says operated by Anderson and Funyuns. So is Funyuns the name of a person? What was the other name of the, the, it's Hattie and then who's the other one? Della. Della Funyuns? Della Funyuns. Oh, is it them? <laughs> yeah, because they have condors on their jacket. Oh, that's incredible. Never fear when Funyuns and Anderson are on the case. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Delafunions. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, you also see a poster uh, 
which says, well, it's a picture of people working on a railroad. And the the bio, or the tagline for it is, I've been working on the railed road. Nice. Oh, no. Ah! Nice. Damn it. Nice. And below that, there's a little, like, when they, you know, like on movie posters, when they add in what the critics say about it, uh, below that is a caption that just says, best railroad-themed porn of the year. How many other railroad-themed porns were there? I think we're being introduced to like a whole other world right now. Oh, I've got I've got a better one because there actually is a theme to this. Um... Oh no. <laughs> okay, this of this episode. This is my Beelzebuts of this opus. episode. I think it pans oh, over okay. to another <laughs> I'm poster. Oh, I'm so excited. And this poster has like a subway tunnel depicted on it, but it also has uh like a ferry and a and an aeroplane. And uh the caption for this one simply says ass transit. <laughs> and uh it's terrible. Damn it. Okay. Oh no. Ass transit, and is is it like everybody can jump aboard? We're really reaching for like an an extra, an extra explicit rating. We're earning that e every day. (laughs) Earning it every day. Okay. Um, Red writes down the contact information on the private eye poster. I thought you were going to say Red writes down ass transit. <laughs> he also writes down goes, mm, ass transit? Yes. Question mark? Mm. <laughs> Look into this. Must watch later. <laughs> it's just a movie list. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's like Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> like, all these like great movies. That it's just... Ass transit? Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, America, and uh, other places that listen. Okay, so... I guess we rest. So Mr. Jones has kind of been looking over at you while you're scanning these posters, and eventually he pipes up. You know what it takes to go into transport-based pornography, kid? I do not. It takes an iron will and brass balls to go into transport-based pornography. That sounds... That sounds uncomfortable, sir. Are you the one with the brass balls or the vehicles? Yes. Great. I'm very tired. Red sits down on one of the chairs and then just does the thing, like the video of the little girl that's just like, I, I take a nap right here. He just takes a nap okay. right there. Um, I'm assuming that all of you do that. Short rest. Let us know if we have the ability to long rest, because I'd love to do that. But uh, no yeah, you can if you choose rest. to. Well, like, how long will the surgery and stuff take? Uh, about six hours. Okay, that's not long rest long. I mean, I'll I'll allow it in this case. Oh, if we're going to stay at a porn studio, Kitty is going to be, like, literally searching for... If they show us where we can stay, searching for ones that look like they've never been touched... That maybe it was a a kitchen themed one, and they just have a bed off to the side or something. So, she, like the bed was not used for for recording purposes. So I was gonna say, let's call a spade a spade. If we lay down to go to sleep, we haven't slept in over twenty four hours. We're not gonna wake up in six. That's just not a thing that's gonna happen. That's true. Like the surgery may take six hours, but I mean, I'm sure they'll wake us up if they have any information. Like Kitty, Kit. Kitty would intimate to the doctor and to Mr. Jones. Gosh, yeah, Bobby, before, God damn it. before we lay down, I'm going to turn to the doctor and be like, hey, doc, we haven't slept in a long time, so we're going to lay down while you do your thing. Will you come let us know uh, if, if, if you can get Ernest back up once, once Ernest wakes up? He gives you, like, a professional nod and then goes back to working on Ernest. Red is asleep already <laughs> on a chair. In a chair. He's yeah, been Trouble was already fast asleep. He just, he stayed in the chair. He's just sleeping in the chair next to the, where the doctor is. Are, are Red and, are Red and Treble, like, leaning on each other and doing a little, little nappy together? Yeah, it's really cute. Oh my god. Actually, I don't think that would work because Treble has horns. You can, like, get on his shoulder, though. Red's on his shoulder. It's real cute. 
Kitty is not going to sleep until she finds a bed that she thinks has not been come all over. <laughs> so Kitty's not going to sleep. Probably. <laughs> Everybody who's sleeping, go ahead and roll religion. A natural 20! Uh, so, 22. I got a 7. I got an 8. I got 17. Ah, a perfect split. Excellent. Uh, we'll start with the with the underachievers among you, shall we? Uh, those of you who roll the seven and an eight, uh, you have a restful night's sleep. Awesome. Excellent. Cool. Those of you who rolled higher, uh, we'll start with you, Herman, because each of you have a slight a slight difference in what happens. You have fairly normal dreams up until a point. Uh, you have a vision that you're walking through a field. You're walking through this field. There are, are trees to your left and your right, but you are kind of encircling the field that you're in. After a certain point, all of the ground falls away, and all you see below you is this inky black void. So you're kind of just suspended in this void. And oh, in God. front of you... What's happening? Uh, there is a pale, pale green light that glimmers just a little bit. And from the direction of this light, you hear, You have a stout heart and have come so far. Hopefully it is not for nothing. What? Is that, is that you, God? What does a stout heart mean? What? What's happening? The vision fades from your mind. I didn't realize that Herman was religious. I don't know that he is. He just said, is that you, God? <laughs> yeah, he's religious well, he's now. religious now, yeah. He's religious now. I mean, if things are speaking to you in your dreams, you're gonna believe in something. Kitty, you have a similar vision, at least at the beginning. Uh, you are walking through, your dreams are normal, You're walk, and then you're walking through a field. Uh... The ground drops away again, but this time the void beneath you is sort of a nebula purplish color of swirling uh, purple smoke all around you. In front of you, a pale yellow light is shining, kind of like a pinprick, like a star starlight. Um, and from this, from this light, you hear. It's lucky you've got eight lives left. Keep searching for the truth out there, slugger. You're doing just fine. What? What? And then the vision fades from your mind. That was way less scary than Herman's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Herman was really scary. But also slightly threatening. The rest of your rest. The rest of your rest. Uh. <laughs> The, it, it passes without incident. It was restful. Eventually, you are awoken by the physician, who looks fucking exhausted. Uh, he's removed like his suit jacket. He's down to just like his white or his button-up shirt that's been rolled up to the sleeves. I should mention at this point also, it's a Triton uh, who's got these like crystal spectacles actual pieces of crystal that have been mounted in metal frames and uh he looks grim-faced and he kind of beckons you all to come over and look at at Ernest. okay we do that so the doctor looks at you i i have found the source of uh of Ernest's wound and when he says this he you see on the table that there is a strange, almost metal gauntlet, or metal like chainmail glove. It's inscribed with a number of runes that are glowing with pale blue light. And he puts his hand into the gauntlet and then reaches into a small metal bowl that is next to the operating table. And with it, he pulls out a brass colored bullet which is covered in blood and kind of holds it up to the light so you guys can see. It's about an inch long, uh, looks like a pretty standard bullet. Then he points 
at the bullet, and you can see that the bullet has been similarly carved with runes that are not glowing, but they're visible, even though it's got blood on it. And he turns back to you and says, They must have really hated this man because this is a cursed bullet. And Ernest, uh, I, I don't know that I can save him. There are two things, there are two courses of action we can take here. And uh, obviously I don't know him, so I can't make this decision, so you will have to. Now there's two ways that this can go. Either we, I can wake him up for you and you can say goodbye, and then I can give him something for the pain. Otherwise, over the next few days, the uh, his death will be particularly unpleasant and painful and full of suffering. The alternative is uh, a bit more risky, and uh, there is no guarantee of success. I have uh, with me, and as he says this, he draws uh, out of his pocket a kind of like a brass jewelry case almost, like a little clamshell case. And he takes from it a green glowing gem and sets it on the operating table. He says, the alternative to this is... uh, Well, looking at all of you and the fact that you came here would lead me to think that perhaps uh, you're not members of law enforcement, so I can continue and say this with safety, but uh, I have some magical talent, and I can essentially put Mr. Ernest here in stasis on another plane of existence. Uh, There is a plane that I know of in which time doesn't pass hardly at all. I could put him in there until such time, if, of course, I'm able to find a cure, but it is not guaranteed. He won't get worse, but he won't get better. He he wouldn't feel anything if he was there? No, he would feel everything, but he wouldn't die. Oof, that sounds rough. So it would be like an endless torture? Well... I suppose it would in its own way, but he he would be alive, technically. Oh god, that's tough. Can we wake him up and, and, and ask him? Or is that going to be t- t- too much on him? And, and then the only recourse is managing it. We could do that, but uh, I don't know that there's much time. I could I could wake him up, but I don't know how long he would stay awake for. Well, I mean, I think we should try, right? Let Ernest decide? For the moment, I've given him a drug which should inhibit the process, but I don't have very much of it and I can't produce more of it. This isn't a common ailment that he has. I'll be frank with you. If you're not a member of the Abbey, if you're not uh, contracted with the government, it's very difficult to find qualified healers that would be capable of fixing damage like this. At least, certainly in this city. You could travel all over, and I'm sure the same would be true. You could try going off the grid, but that is not guaranteed when it comes to fixing damage like this. So you're saying you can't fix him. If we want to fix him, we'd have to put him in stasis and find someone that can fix him. More or less. And even even putting him in stasis is more than most people could do. The, the simple truth is, I don't know if there is a cure for this. There, may, there might not be, in which case he would be transported to a plane of existence and suffering it eternally. So, it's a gamble versus a sure thing. I think we should wake him up and ask him. What's the plane like? Would he be a- awake? It's like being in a dream? Because I just had a dream and it was freaky. Hopefully it's not like my dream. Well... You know, it's different for everybody. The number of people who have been there is relatively few. The only theme that seems to be consistent is that if you have pain here, you'll have pain there. How it manifests itself, I, I really couldn't say. But but he's not in pain now. No. But he will be if we wake him up? Correct. So as long as you keep him on the drugs and he's in stasis, he won't be in pain then? Is that the gist of what I'm hearing? His mind won't perceive time passing, but his body will perceive the drug. The drug will eventually pass from his system, so he will feel the pain at some point. Do you think that the Abbey would have an antidote? I mean, they infected him with... Well, 
they did whatever they did with him, so I suppose it's possible. But, uh, you know, the Abbey is rather a shady organization, as it turns out. I suppose if you really wanted to check, you could always uh, go to the Abbey here. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If they've got cursed bullets, maybe they know how to cure the curse from the bullets. I mean, we'd have to break into the Abbey somehow, which sounds tough, but I mean, it's earnest. They have more of these bullets to shoot us with. But it's earnest. Yeah, it's earnest. I mean, yeah, it's risky. It's, it's, It's a scary thought, but I mean, I think earnest would do it for us. But would he do it for himself? He he just lost, I mean, everything. That's true. I wonder if he'd rather not have to worry about living in uh, limbo of pain. He'd rather just be with Mabel. He did tell me that, that he was not doing too well after the loss of Mabel. Yeah, that had to be tough. Oof. What do we do? Do we vote? Do we... <laughs> How do we handle this? We vote on a a man's life? I mean, it's either that or we wake up Ernest. Which is also probably going to be real rough for Ernest. Assuming he actually can tell us what he wants when he wakes up. Assuming he even wakes up at all. It's a big decision to put on somebody who's in pain and and sick uh, to say, do you want to live? Uh... But it's also a big decision for people who aren't family to make that decision. Okay, the only fair way to do this is we all draw straws. Whoever gets the shortest straw has to decide what to do. Herman, Herman, sit down, please. What? That's the only fair way to do it. Drawing straws for a man's life? Well, then what do you think we should do? Is there a more fair way? I really do think we should wake him up. And he can decide what he wants to do. I'll come out and say it. I think we should let him rest. And put him to rest. I mean, what's what's point in life? Unless if he wants revenge, but I mean, I look at the doctor. Any chance of even after, even if we were to heal him, that he'd be well enough to to live life? fully this is where i'd insert the sound bite of gandalf saying he will bear the wound the rest of his life it will never fully heal <laughs> but on a serious note well he will bear the wound the rest of his <laughs> Damn life it. he will never fully heal there's there's no way of knowing uh, if a cure could completely cure him if it exists it could have partially cure him. I, I, there's no way of knowing what what the Abbey has or doesn't have. You know, I think I think Kitty's right. I think we should try and wake him up. I think that that would be good, but if he says he wants to try stasis, is there a way that we can check in with him once he's in it to see? If he changes his mind? Yeah, how long are you comfortable holding on to Ernest and taking care of him for us? So we're not exactly paying you up to this point. Well, that's a good question, actually. And uh, I'm not the business owner here, so I would have to ask... Um, and he points over at uh, Hush Puppy. Well, uh, I've got the facilities to, to house the stiff for, uh, for a good long while. Uh, I think I can repair the set for, uh, well, for... Uh, a venture that I was involved with involving a large industrial fridge. Uh, we could put him in there with some, uh, some stuff to keep him alive. He's, uh, he's probably not gonna be eating too much. So, uh, we'll just put him... Yeah, don't, don't worry about it, kid. Uh, you can, you can pay me back at some point. If I have to use the porn set, it'll look a little weird on the film. If we have a dead guy in it, but, uh, not a deal breaker. You know, some people might be into that. Eh, you never know, the market's always shifting. Three years ago, I would have been laughed out of the building if I said I was in transportation porn. Now look at me. I've got my own shed. I whispered to Red, who would have guessed? Hush Puppy Jones, porn producer with the heart of gold. I I would not have guessed. All right, 
Let's wake him up then. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Our cast was Bobby K. Kuffner as Kitty Bradley, Dan Rogland as Red, Nathan Pierce as Herman Cranberry, Jordan Fugit as Trouble, and our dungeon master was Henry Rogland. Our artwork was done by Ashley Meisner Terran, and our music was done by Alex Hills. We had our first listener submitted names in today's episode, which was super exciting. Huge thank you to Sophia for submitting the name Hattie Anderson, and Kobe for submitting the name Cobwell. If you'd like to join these folks by submitting your own name, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think. We can name anything, person, place, an item, anything of your choosing. If you'd like to see more of our work, please follow us on Twitter at M4MagicCast or on Instagram at dial underscore M underscore podcast. We've also released our new website, so if you check us out at dialm4magic.com, we even have our merch store up and running, so take a look. We've got all kinds of shirts and hoodies and masks and all that kind of good stuff, so please check us out. We have our next episode coming at you in two weeks on September 16th. We hope to see you then.